listeners, it's me, Elmo. I'm here to let you know that we have a really special episode today. Yay! Raymond and Robert are going to talk all about the holiday season of 1996, when taking Elmo was the most popular thing since those awful Cabbage Patch Kids. Elmo's better than Cabbage Patch Kids, what? And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. Now, on today's episode, we're tickling all about Tickle Me Elmo. Does that sound creepy? You're going to tickle me? No, we're going to tickle. Now, I'm, I'm going to replace a lot of uh, adverbs with, t- the uh, word with tickling. tickling. Tickle, oh. tickle. Yes. Now, this was a thing because parents want to buy their children's love. And what proves love better than a ticklish, furry, red monster? Now, Rob, did you watch Sesame Street growing up? Oh, yes, of course. Who was your favorite character? The Count and Guy Smiley, the game show host. Guy Smiley. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yes. That's a very specific. Oh, I loved Guy Smiley. And I also loved Tully. Tully was good. Yeah. Now, I was always an Ernie guy. No, you were an Ernie guy? Yeah. Because I like the rubber ducky. I like taking baths. I don't like taking baths anymore because I don't like sitting in my own. Filth? Filth. Okay, hot take. Ernie and Bert? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Friend. Okay. Absolutely. Can I ask you another question? Who's top, who's bottom? I mean, Bert's got to be top. No. Uh, I think- I bet Bert's a power bottom. Bert is a power bottom, and Ernie is the top. Just stand there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Bert. Anyway, this episode's not about Ernie. It's about Elmo. Oh, Elmo. Now, you may remember this commercial from back in the day. Watch out, there's something funny going on. It's new Tickle Me Elmo. Just tickle Elmo, and he really talks. That tickles. And laughs. Tickle him again, and hold on, because his whole body shakes with laughter. Oh, boy. So be on the lookout. He's coming to a funny bone near you. Tickle Me Elmo, the newest huggable member of the Tycho Sesame Street family. He's sold separately. Tickle Me Elmo was released in 1996, and it caused quite the panic around the holidays when parents weren't able to get their hands on one. Now, Mental Floss put out a great article in 2007 called Oral History When Tickle Me Elmo Ruled the World. It was written by Jake Rawson, who I've also featured in another article on this show. He's very good, and it features a lot of people behind the scenes creating the monster. And let's be honest, Elmo is, in fact, a monster. A cute one, but he's a monster. No, he's not. He's yes, a good he, person. I, but he's but he is defined as a monster. Before we get into the tickling, oh Jesus! Let's give a little background on the cuddly ball of red fur and the modest street that he originally hails from. 
So Sesame Street was first dreamt up in 1966. Uh, producer Joan Gans Cooney and the VP of the Carnegie Foundation, Lloyd Morissette, wanted to create a children's television show that would master the addictive qualities of television and do something good with them. Mm. After two years of research, the newly formed Children's Television Workshop received a grant of for $8 million. <laughs> now, that would be $71.3 million in 2022 dollars. So that's a lot of smackaroos. $22 million? Is that what you said? No, that's $71.3 million in oh, 2022 wow. uh, oh, dollars. Oh, yeah. wow. It was the first preschool educational program to base its content on laboratory and formative research. So that's... I don't know the amount of things that go into like kids psychology and stuff. This is the first one that we're like, you know what? Let's make a TV show with all the research we've done. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was successful from the start. Writer Michael Davis said that by the mid seventies, the show had already become an American institution, you know, so only 10 years was already an institution around that same time. The cast and crew expanded with emphasis on hiring female crew members and minority cast members. So even before there was a big push in like the eighties and stuff, that was a big thing that they wanted to do. And they wanted to reflect what, an inner city actually looked like on television as opposed to like just whitewashing it and stuff. So yeah. that was an, an, really interesting, I thought. The show was also popular because of the wonderful world of characters that were er- introduced by Jim Henson and the Jim Henson Company. Sesame Street introduced us to many beloved Muppets, and yes, they're still considered Muppets on on Sesame Street. Are they really? Yeah. Now, I'm talking Big Bird, Bert and Ernie, Snuffleupagus, The Count, Oscar the Grouch, Cookie Monster, Prairie Dom, like I mentioned, well, the, the game show host. Guy Smiley! But with all these Muppet success, there was always a little red-furred monster in the corner that was just waiting for his moment. Now, he first appeared in 1980 Sesame Street song, We Are Monsters. Elmo wasn't really anything more than a supporting character, barely able to scrape by getting his three Puppet Actors Guild vouchers to become unionized. You're proud of that, aren't you? I'm so proud. I even went out and showed Emily. <laughs> Here's a clip of We Are Monsters. Hey, you don't look like me. You don't look like me. He doesn't look like Elmo. Yes, we're all different, but we're the same. Because we are all monsters! I am blue. I am green. I am red. I am gray. What's the difference anyway? We are all monsters! I am fat. I am thin. I am short. I am tall. Doesn't matter much at all! We are all monsters! And we love to play together. Then in 1985, after Two Puppeteers had little success with Elmo, a 24-year-old, Kevin Clash, decided to give it a whirl. Now, he got his opportunity because the previous puppeteer, Richard Hunt, had gotten so frustrated with the Muppet that he squeezed its neck and threw it at Clash. What? They, they threw Elmo? What the hell is going on at the children's television I workshop? I just, just picturing... The count is like, one, <laughs> one incident report. <laughs> Two... Two trips to HR. Zero days since incident. <laughs> He's quality control. Back to the board. <laughs> anyway, Kevin Clash brought new life to the character, and Elmo quickly started to gain popularity, and he started portraying Elmo as a loving and kind monster. And it really is an odd thing to think that there was so much time of Sesame Street before Elmo made an impact i well, guess so he when did he really start to make an impact in 85 wow. i mean that's like when he kind of so started fifth, bringing yeah. 
life into the character and i'm sure it took a couple more years before like you know because he elmo's world i think premiered in like 97 or 98 mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's like really when i don't know it's just crazy to yeah, think like yeah, there's yeah. so elmo really didn't have a big impact on it uh for a while but what i talked about was all behind the scenes mumbo jumbo blah 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 in the world of sesame street this is what you need to know about elmo he's three and a half years old whose birthday is february 3rd he also refers to himself in the third person very progressive thanks obama Now, let's get back to the tickling, huh? No. (laughs) Now, Tickle Me Elmo didn't start out as Elmo at all. Now, in fact, it was a prototype. The prototype was called Tickles the Chimp. Ron Durbin had been making toys for a while. He's the guy who created it. He'd gotten used to hearing the word no more than he heard yes. And uh, he's even said the toy industry was the failure business. And apparently toy making is a lot like acting. Oh, my God. Then one day, Ron was in his in a park watching a bunch of kids tickling each other. Wait, 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 wait. That's a quote. Yeah, go back. But just I want to be clear that I did not witness this. Neither did you. No, no. It, this is in the mental plot, and I feel like I, I feel like he had the best intentions of saying this, but it just you know it didn't read well. But I was sitting in a park then, watching <laughs> kids tickle each then other. One day, Ron was in a park watching a bunch of kids tickling each other, and I put dot dot dot. And this is his quote. Oh no! It brought back childhood memories. How much I loved tickling and being tickled there was usually a kind of build-up of this laughed laughing jag until you just finally lose it i thought that would make a great toy so this guy got off on one on the tickling so ron durbin uh said that he thought a chimp would be good for tickles because he associated them with with laughter what prison is ron in now (laughs) he also said it could be attributed to j fred muggs on the today show when he was a kid now do you know anything about j fred muggs he was a monkey i had no idea about j fred muggs j fred muggs was a chimpanzee that was born in 1952 and he was brought to the u.s by two nbc pages and he became the official mascot of the today show and well, his 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 introduction actually boosted show ratings, although it caused the original newsreader Jim Fleming to quit in anger. <laughs> they said that NBC supposedly made an estimated one hundred million dollars off the merchandising from J. Fred Muggs. <laughs> Good for you, monkey! Time. And they were at that at that point, I guess, like a fledging, like. That channel network was yeah. real. That's so J. Fred Muggs. And he officially retired at the age of 23. And as of now, J. Fred Muggs is still alive. No. Yes, at the age of 70. Yes. And lives with his girlfriend, Phoebe B. Beebe, in Florida. And he met his girlfriend on the set of the Today Show. To TV's original Jim and Pam. These are monkeys? Monkeys. This fucking monkeys had a longer relationship than I yeah. have. J. Fred Muggs, born March 14th, 1952, age 70. <laughs> Good for J. Fred Muggs. Now, back to Tickles the Chimp. Durbin got Mark Johnson Williams, an electronics engineer, and Greg Hyman, a sound engineer, to help him realize this project. Now, at this point, sound was becoming inexpensive to incorporate into toys because of sound chips, which is, I guess, a huge technological advancement i'm sure they found that at roswell too now the three men worked on a prototype that actually still had to be connected to a computer to operate so it still wasn't functioning batteries initially it was supposed to be the chimp that tickled the child but that wasn't feasible and they showed the prototype 12 companies and they were turned down by a dozen of them wow it's not as if electronics and stuffed toys was a new thing there was teddy ruxpin he was uh, introduced in 1985 and was a popular product teddy ruxpin was a teddy bear that had a tape player inside and you would put a story tape in and it would be as if teddy was reading you the story and i had one of them and i don't remember it working very well no it did not work very well yeah 
And if you played it backwards, it gave you satanic passages, which was very disturbing. Yeah, and the eyes rolled in the back of its head when yeah. it did that, and it was started to smoke. <laughs> After being turned down those 12 times, Durbin and his crew had a meeting with Stan Clutton, VP of Marketing at Tyco Toys Preschool Division. Thank God. In 1994. How'd he get a meeting with him? Yeah. I've been trying for years. You got a meeting with Clutton? The VP of Marketing at Tyco Toys Preschool Division? Wow. This is 1994. That's nearly impossible. Now, Tyco Toys was a fairly big-sized name in the toy industry at the time. It was formed in 1926. It made a name for itself by making model trains and slot cars in the 80s and 90s. The company grew by acquiring several popular licenses. Some of those licenses include Viewmaster, Magna Doodle, and Matchbox cars. And the brand also had a lot of success with their line of Little Mermaid dolls uh, that were released at the same time as the film. That's wonderful. Now, the meeting with Stan Clutton seemed to be a success. Considering he liked the idea, his first reaction was, this would be great as an Elmo, but we don't have the rights. Now, here's the thing. Toy licensing is very odd. At the time, Tycho had the rights to produce plastic versions of Sesame Street toys, but not plush versions of Sesame Street toys. That right was owned by toy giant Hasbro. Those sons of bitches at Hasbro. Knowing he had a good product in his hands, Clutton had Durbin meet with Gene Murtha, who was a VP of marketing. Murtha said that Tycho had the rights to Looney Tunes and that he could see Tickles the Chimp being a great... Tickle me Taz. Ah. The concept behind the toy was simple. Tickle it once, it laughed. Tickle it again, it laughs harder. Tickle it a third time, it laughed so hard, hysterically hard. Oh my God, it's so funny. Now, Warner Brothers was pushing hard for the Tasmanian devil to be the character that got the tickle treatment. Now, Taz was trending with boys at the time, myself included, I remember. Boys loved the gruffness of him myself included. Tycho had thought that doing a Tickle Me Tweety, but by that point, the market was oversaturated with Tweety Bird. And as someone who remembers 94, 95, there was a lot of Tweety Bird, myself included. Mm. Mm. Now, Gene Murtha said, we did a Taz prototype. It was functioning with the electronics and everything. We had someone do a voice to simulate his grunting sort of laugh. I remember taking it to Warner Brothers and they were like, yeah, fine. It wasn't memorable on their part. They could have had the Tickle Me license under their property. Around this time, Tyco decided not to renew its license with Warner Brothers, so that worked out. But what Tyco had done was get the license for Sesame Street plush. Ah, <laughs> smart. <laughs> well, Gene Murtha said to Stan Clutton, well, why don't we do Tickle Me Big Bird? And Clutton responded with, no, <laughs> it would be Tickle Me Elmo. Stan Clutton's original idea would finally come to fruition. The man's dream is finally coming true. Stan Clutton's been in this damn business forever. He has one idea. <laughs> Ray, what are you thankful for this month? Well, Rob, I'm thankful that we have so many great This Was a Thing listeners and that so many of them financially support us so we can continue to dive as deep as we can into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. And support my humble habit. Want to help us be even more thankful? Head on over to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search for This Was a Thing and set a monthly donation. Even a dollar a month helps us. Your contributions help us continue doing what we are doing. And what are you doing this November, Rob? By being thankful that we can have as much diet canned cranberry sauce as we want. Gotta get my P90 Eximus body on. Ow. Pull the hamstring. 
Go lay down, Rob. Mm. We are thankful for all of you, and we'll be even more thankful if you can head on over to Patreon.com. Now, the Sesame Street brand was already somewhat familiar incorporating electronics into plush toys. In 1985, they released Big Bird Story Magic to much mm. success, which is essentially the same idea as Teddy Ruxpin, but it was Big Bird, Cookie Monster, or Oscar the Grouch reading you a story. All in all, the internal development cost ended up being around 50000 to to 100000 which actually isn't a lot of money, no, all things no. considered. Nowadays, the internal development costs, like, for... Like action figures with high articulation, with like a bunch of moving parts, yeah. is like in the five to six figures from concept to. Jeez. And that's without electronics, Jeez. too. So it's just like, you know, getting the mold and everything. Yeah. And now, when it came to the Tickle Me brand, it was decided that Elmo was the clear cut choice for the ticklish technology. And by 1995, Elmo was becoming one of the new stars on Sesame Street and the demand for Elmo toys was growing. And now there wasn't a lot on the market and Sesame Street marketing department was getting calls from parents saying that their child wanted to go to sleep with Elmo. What's interesting to me is that Sesame Street toys were considered part of the educational toys section back then. Apparently it was like a kiss of death to like a lot of toy brands and oh. stuff because it's not- What a, kid wants yeah, a learning it, Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of- in that one corner, you know? It's not G.I. Joe. It's not Barbie. Exactly. Now, by this point, Durbin and Hyman had licensed their product to Tyco and would then be paid a royalty. So the final product was obviously much different than their original idea of Tickles the Chimp. But Durbin felt like much had improved from his original idea, though. They had a goal in mind. Have it ready for the New York Toy Fair in 1996. The New York Toy Fair was one of the biggest places to have new toys get exposure. Buyers from stores tend to choose a lot of their products at the Toy Fair. That's like the new place, you know, Target, all that places. Before that, though, they had to show Elmo off to advertising. And Bob Mole was in advertising, and he was in that meeting, and this is a quote from him. I... As an ad man said, it was a waste of money to advertise a sound toy. Television is about motion. The thing ought to move. He asked if they could make it shake like a Santa Claus belly. And uh, that one question actually ended up being a huge payoff. Now, with this idea, they went back to Mark Johnson Williams for his design expertise. They presented him an Elmo and a shaking, shrieking monkey toy. Not Tickles the Chimp. They essentially told him... Put this all together. Really? Now, adding the third component that shook added a whole new level to the toy. It could laugh and shake. This was the future. Okay, so we know that the toy can shake and we know the toy can laugh, but do, do we know if it's going to sell? When presented with the final product, the people at Sesame Street had some initial concerns. They weren't sure if it, they wanted to Elmo to shake. They were afraid that parents would think that Elmo was having a seizure. <laughs> it apparently took several meetings to win them over. They wanted to make sure that the shaking was confined to a giggle. The body shouldn't move when there was no giggling. They needed to have a motor in Elmo that could run a little, then run a little more, then run full blast. The motor would add cost to the packaged product, which would jump from 20 to 30. In tests, parents didn't seem to care about the extra cost. These tests also showed the parents didn't think that Elmo was having a seizure. <laughs> Even though test parents made it seem as okay that the plush tickle would be okay priced at $30, parents who didn't see the test didn't know the full tickling potential. That's when they decided to make it a try-me product, which is when they present the product to the consumer in packaging with batteries included so they can press something on it and it oh. gives a demonstration of how it works. Tyco ha had to rely on try-me products a lot because they didn't have a lot of television advertising, so that was the best way to be like, here, this is how it works, as opposed to like, here's a commercial 
special. This is what it does. Uh, Johnson Williams said that when he wrote the program for the Try Me feature on Elmo, he realized that most people have attention spans of less than eight seconds. So he made it so Tickle Me Elmo would get to the punchline in less time than that. If it was any longer, he thought people would get bored and walk away, which is, you know, typical ADHD consume. Whoa, what's that? Right. Keep going with the show, buddy. Sorry. New York Toy Fair finally rolled around. The re- reception to Tickle Me Elmo was fairly lukewarm, at least compared to the expectations. Tyco Big Push that year wasn't Elmo. It was their line of RC cars. People would go through the Tyco booth, see a bunch of fancy RC cars. They get to the Tyco preschool section. There's a bunch of Tickle Me Elmos on the wall. And knowing that they'd had a big plush Big Bird in the past, they just assumed it was an extension of the old line. But there was one fan of Tickle Me Elmo there. And it was a well-known media personality. Al Roker from the Today Show was there, and he loved it. This was pre-gastric surgery, so he was a little chunky then. He laughed, and his belly laughed, and Elmo laughed. It brought Elmo to life in a way that had never been done before. It finally reached the sacred toy aisles in July of 1996, and shortly after, Neil Friedman, who was the president of Tyco at the time, was at a baseball game and ran into a buyer of Toys R Us. He told Neil that the initial sales report showed that Tickle Me Elmo was flying off the shelves, and this was only a few weeks after initial release. And considering it was $30, it was still selling like crazy, and better than any plush toy could have sold at that price point back then. And now, adjusted for inflation, that $30 would have been $55 today. Wow. So that's insane. Yeah. Nowadays, toys could be advertised on the internet and sell pretty well. Wouldn't necessarily need television exposure. Sure, it'd be nice, but it's not exactly needed anymore. In 1996, the internet wasn't what it was today. Toys needed that sweet, sweet TV time. Some of Tickle Me Almost first TV time was on the Today Show. And outside of just Al Roker, they did a segment on hot new toys. Show hosts Katie Kirk and Bryant Gumbel seemed to get a kick out of Elmo. Bruce McGuire said, Bryant was not considered a warm guy. So for us, it was great. He was not the type you'd expect to have Elmo on his lap. It seemed to humanize him, (laughs) which, that's nice, old Bryant Gumbel getting a little humanization. Next up, they really wanted to get Tickle Me Elmo on the Rosie O'Donnell show. That was giant. Do you remember how big Rosie's show was? That was was huge. It was gigantic back in the day. Uh, She created a fun atmosphere for her audience, and she would tend to give them free products, but she had to actually like the product that she was giving out first. Had to give her, you know... um, Seal of approval. Seal of approval, thank you. Not, Not give out stuff she didn't like. They sent Rosie one for her son. In October, she talked about it on the air and how much she liked it, but she also mentioned how her son had flushed it down the toilet. To that, I say, that's a big toilet. I couldn't find any clips of Tickle Me Elmo on Rosie's show, unfortunately, but here is a clip of her and Elmo performing a Christmas classic on the Today Show in 1996, just so you can get an idea of their chemistry together. Their relationship. <laughs> I'll take the first part. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. As big as a sea, as big as a sea, with a voice as big as a sea. Isn't that a good story? Yeah. Thank you, said the shepherd. Tycho got a new Elmo shipped out to her, and an hour later, someone from her show called and said, this is great. Can we have enough for the whole audience? Tycho president Neil, Neil Freeman would eventually go on the show, and Tickle Me Elmo was getting his time in the red lime light. Now, what really helped Tickle Me Elmo was that it was a gender-free 
toy, meaning all genders can enjoy it. If it was a plastic Elmo doll, it would be less likely that boys would want it. But that red plush fur changed everything mm. for it. Uh, getting exposure on TV was also helping. Gene Murtha said that going into September 1992, they forecasted selling somewhere around 100,000 Tickle Me Elmos. Within a week of being on Rosie, that forecast number jumped to over a million. Jesus. Uh, the problem was that major jump that you prepare your factories for 100,000 units. But then when it jumps to 10 times that number, there's going to be some mechanical issues that go on. And factories in Hong Kong just couldn't keep up with demand. Tools and mechanisms used to create the product would wear out and they'd have to find new replacement parts. It was a vicious, ticklish cycle. It was a vicious, ticklish cycle. Yeah, I got it. It's vicious vicious and ticklish. ticklish. It was virtually impossible to get your hands on a Tickle Me Elmo anytime after Thanksgiving. Tyco ended up pulling the second half of their TV commercial campaign because there was no sense in running an ad for a product you couldn't get, which is bonkers to me to think that like the, they probably put so much money towards it and they're like, there's no... And I mean, it legally, I feel like it was probably the best idea too because it wasn't creating like a, a lot of issues, but like that's how that's how big this product was is that they didn't need to have the TV advertising because the, the news and word of mouth and new, it just insane. And when parents couldn't get Elmo, they started to panic. Now this is from the New York times on December 8th, 1996 describes the scene of a Toys R Us in Manhattan's Herald square. Riding up the freight elevator, David Lawrence, a Toys R Us store manager got ready to push the U boat, a U shaped dolly stacked with 24 Elmo dollars. They're going to attack us, he said. Peter Leap, a Toys R Us district manager, replied, Nah, they're New Yorkers. They'll be very polite. As the crew burst into the mezzanine floor, four women immediately elbowed each other for an Elmo, a sweet-voiced mischief-maker from Sesame Street who laughs and vibrates when his $29.99 tummy is tickled. Seconds later, as the dolly trundled past the baby stroller section, a woman at the end of the aisle yelled, They're here! I can see them! Suddenly, people were diving for Elmos. I got one! I got one! yelled Tammy Mancuso of Brooklyn, thrusting an Elmo into the air. Hey, I've been waiting two hours for that, said frustrated Robert McNair. Thwarted New Yorkers then screamed imprecations at shaken Toys R Us staffers. His blue eyes filling with tears, Mr. Leap said, I've been at Toys R Us for 20 years and I've never seen anything like that. I'm just glad no one was hurt. He added, shaking his head, I hope I don't lose my job over this. <laughs> this is a, a clip from an ABC News story in 1996. We placed this Elmo out on this toy store shelf as bait. Within 30 seconds, someone would notice and try to snatch him up. My wife's due in three weeks, and she says I have to find a Tickle Me Elmo, and it's not even born yet, so... Is it hard to find? You can't find it in Montana. I'm from Montana, so... Can't you find can't it find it in San Francisco? Not so far. What are your odds of finding Tickle Me Elmo in the Bay Area right now? Ooh, not very good. FAO Schwartz has pre-sold 1,000 Elmos at $54 each. Elmo fever even made its way up to our neighbors up north. This is a clip from a Canadian news broadcast. Here's Jeffrey Kaufman on Elmo mania. <laughs> no wonder he's laughing. All the way to the bank, because North America has been gripped by Tickle Me Elmo hysteria. Oh boy, that tickles. Just ask them in Fredericton, where 48 of the bug-eyed beasts were put on sale at a local Walmart and one of the clerks was sent to hospital after being trampled in the frenzy. Somebody in the crowd yelled, there's the Elmos, and they rushed us. 
or check out your that clerk paper. whose name is Robert Waller. He suffered a pulled hamstring, injuries to his back, jaw, and knee, a broken rib, and a concussion. The people at Tyco didn't like that people were acting erratically, but there was just nothing they could do. But Tyco was getting bomb threats, saying that if they didn't release more Elmos, they would blow the place up. People are crazy. So like I said earlier, Tickle Me Elmo was retailing for around $30, but the secondary market was going insane. Or check out your local paper. It's probably crammed with ads from Elmo Profiteers. This Montreal woman had an offer of $330. She's holding out for $500. Not bad for a $35 investment. Times are tough right now, so you got to do what you can to survive. Now, reports of Tickle Me almost selling for $1,000 a piece were coming out. There were tons of ads in newspapers all over, Tickle Me Elmo for sale. The highest reported secondary sale was apparently for $7,100 in Denver. Tickle Me Elmo was even showing up on the site that would turn into eBay. It was known as Auction Web at the time, and it launched in 1995. Now, the Nintendo 64 was the other hot item that holiday season, and Nintendo employees were trading Nintendo 64s for Tickle Me Elmos. Nintendo 64 was selling for $199 at that point point but nintendo had pre-planned you know and so they had extra ones they said oh this is gonna be the hottest thing okay let's make sure we have a lot of stock elmo they didn't think that they had no idea they were just oh here's another random elmo in the sesame street line and oh look at this one it vibrates isn't that funny like it, it, it's it's just crazy. Uh, Cartier was offering a deal to customers. They would throw in a Tickle Me Elmo with the purchase of a one million dollar necklace. Ooh. People at the Late Show with David Letterman were trading Late Show sweatshirts. Brett Favre called the president of Tyco. Neil Friedman personally, even Al Gore tried to get one, but Tyco VP of Sales Jack Cleary had his secretary let the VP know that Mr. Cleary was a Republican. Caddy. The million units that were produced were sold out by the end of December. Tickle Me Elmo had made the front page in the New York Times business section. Tickle Me Elmo had a huge effect on the whole Sesame Street brand. When you couldn't get Tickle Me Elmo, you'd settle for other El- the other Elmos that were there. It also helped Tyco Preschool get more respect from Tyco as a whole. Tyco VP of Marketing Gene Murtha said, We took Tyco Preschool from being the losers in, D- in New York to, Oh, those are our guys. <laughs> I'm sure the RC department was so pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) Some people at Tyco thought that they could sold 10 times more if they were able to produce more. Angry parents in the media were saying that Tyco planned it to happen and that it was just a big marketing thing. But I think that's kind of stupid because Tyco in the long run wants to make money over everything. And it's it was just a crazy unexpected success, at least in my opinion, because I feel like if they knew they could make millions more dollars they would be like let's make millions of more dollars gene murtha also said uh, this which is pretty crazy mattel was in the process of buying tyco and merging tyco preschool and fisher price together when elma was coming out and i would say the entire purchase price of tyco which was 737 million dollars was recovered over the next two or three years by elmo oh my god vp of sales and known republican jack cleary said that tickle me almost sold 1 million units in 1996 and then 4 million units in 1997. Tickle Me Elmo was a huge success and was one of the most popular toys of the 20th century by the end of its first year. Get the fuck out. By the end of its first year of the 20th century, which is insane to think like it took that short amount of time. 
after the break, I'll talk more about some other plush Sesame Street toys and what came out next because we got a franchise, baby. Oh, boy. What did you do? What? Franchises, motherfucker. This was a thing. This was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. Tasmanian devil, it is so good to see you, my friend. Take a seat. Oops, I guess I should have said eat the seat. (laughs) You Looney Tunes are just so darn unpredictable. Yes, we uh, we know that you've been quite the hit for the company lately. Your sales numbers have really been going up. Well, actually, Taz, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I don't want to beat around the bush. Uh, we were going to do a Tickle Me Taz doll for the holidays, but we lost the licensing agreement with the Warner Brothers, so we're just going to do a Tickle Me Elmo instead. I'm sorry. Please don't throw things, Taz. This is out of our hands. It's a legal thing. We did fight for you. We always fight for you. Put down my desk. Do not threaten me, Taz. My wife will not believe you. Why do you have to make it personal? You want the truth? Fine, 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 fine. No one wants to tickle you. They're afraid you'll destroy their house, Taz. There. I didn't want to tell you, but people don't like you, Taz. They're afraid of you. (laughs) Tyco Toys wants to send you to Malibu for a 30-day retreat. You get a chance to know the real Tasmanian devil. (laughs) Yes, it is a two-way street. Porky is also taking classes as we speak, and he knows that he needs to wear pants around you. (laughs) I told you we're working on it. Please don't do the tornado thing. I just redid this office. You know how hard it is to get New Mexican pottery in here? Is that a rabbit in the parking lot? (laughs) What a day. Betty, get me Tinky Winky. Tinky, it's Mark. Yeah, people know about us. Thank you. This was a sketch. Now, Tickle Me Elmo was obviously a behemoth, and they needed to expand on that, so they released Tickle Me Elmo, Tickle Me Big Bird, Tickle Me Cookie Monster, no Tickle Me Oscar, because they said it wouldn't fit his personality. But I say, plus, you'd probably have to wash your hands considering you're tickling a trash can. <laughs> that is very true. So yes. that's just my own germophobia. Next was Sing and Snore Ernie, which did almost as well as Tickle Me Elmo, according to Tyco Insiders. But I'm sure they were extra socked for that. So that was just Ernie sleeping and snoring and hilarious. Uh, they continue to do more Elmos, too. Chicken Dance Elmo did the chicken dance. And LOL Elmo LOL'd. In 2007, TMX was released as a 10-year anniversary for Tickle Me Elmo. TMX. Tickle Me 10. Now, my initial hope was that Elmo would start singing DMX songs when it got tickled. Come on, I had to look up the lyrics to make sure I got it right. That's good. That was very good. Now, TMX went ham 
hard as a motherfucker compared to the original. It rolled around on the floor, all while laughing and smashing its fist on the ground, begging for the tickler to stop. So it kind of went back to the original. It also probably caused a lot of therapy. Yes. (laughs) Now, there hasn't been a toy since Tickle Me Elmo that caused much uproar. Obviously, we covered Cabbage Patch Kids and the Cabbage Patch Riots. You know, there's been Furbies were kind of big a couple years later, but nothing as big as this Zuzu Pets, Zuzu Pets, I can't even pronounce it correct, which is just another little animal that's like a hamster and stuff. But I think they learned from Tickle Me Elmo's failures, which was have extra stock. Be ready. Sure, you hear stories now of crazy Black Friday shoppers, but most of those stories involve people getting trampled trying to get a 34-inch flat screen for $49. And that's just not the same as a furry red monster who giggles uncontrollably. I'll end it with this. All this talk of Sesame Street makes me think of the old shopkeep, Mr. Hooper. And I hope one day customers will get to tickle a little plush version of Mr. Hooper. Ticklin' with Mr. Hooper. (laughs) Want to play a game? There's so many things I want to (laughs) do. Yes, I do. (laughs) I want to do play a game. This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. You were too old for Tickle Me Elmo. I missed you, it. I just missed it. Yeah, what did, did it was, you it do? Big. You remember anything from your childhood? Like <laughs> no, I don't. I've, been, I've forgotten yeah. it all. Okay. <laughs> well, survive. let's get to the game. I thought you were a my buddy guy. Uh, yeah, it was assigned to me. I, it was just a doppelganger for me. It was this little Aryan blonde <laughs> child being dragged around uh, until in a I tan uniform. My cousin <laughs> threw it in the pool, and what? Uh, yeah, it got sogged up, and I think had to be chucked and that was a real real bummer but i was a big my buddy guy until he tragically drowned in the summer of 1989 i'm so sorry for your loss <laughs> all right i'm ready to see what you you what i've ca- what i've you know i what i liked about tickle me elmo was it was very exact very specific told you what to do and who to do it to yes so this game <laughs> yes is along those lines this game is called, called consent <laughs> verb me proper noun oh like tickle me elmo each correct answer to the clue given will be a verb the word me and then a proper noun so rob you're going to be competing against ray to see who can give me the first one to interpret the clues that i give you to get the correct answer the fastest i'm going to give you an, always an active verb. i'm going to give you an example because i know this one's a, a this this one's a little absurd. i was especially high when i thought of this one okay so i'm going to give you a clue right so i would say the way i would describe tickle me elmo i would say Lightly touch or prod me in a way that causes laughter, you red Muppet monster. I see. And the answer would be tickle, tickle me, me Elmo. Elmo. Got it. So there are six here. Are we working together? Or? You're racing against each other. Oh boy, this is okay. Head, this is head, noggin to, to, to noggin. Okay, here we go. Slap me on the buttocks with an open hand, you hour gang sidekick. Hip spanky, spanky daddy. Spanky. Hit me, Spanky. Spanky McFarlane. Hit me, baby, one more time. Spank me, Spanky. Yes, that is correct. Spank me, Spanky. Oh, good. Number two, surround or cover me completely, Rocket Man. Rat me, Elton? Uh, 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 cover me, Elton. I'll give you a hint. The verb starts with the same word as the noun. Envelope me, Elton. I'm going to give you that one. Envelope, envelope me. me. I, I was engul- oh, it was wow, engulf shit. me, Elton Engul- John, but yeah. I'm going to give you envelop wow. me, Elton John. Nice. done, right? I'm a wordsmith. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's a, little, there's a little hint for you. The verb and the thing are the same, same letter. Make me feel ashamed and foolish, you vaudevillian escape artist. Humiliate me, Houdini. Yes, that is correct. Two to one. 
systematically take me to pieces, you crotty kid. Macho me, Machio. Very close, but no. Wreck-It Ralph. No, but very close. The character's name, Daniel LaRusso. Ah. Dismantle me, Daniel. Oh. They're getting harder. They're getting harder. There's two left. Shit, this is tricky. Let's see if you can get it. So, You're yeah. doing great, by the way, Mark. Next is going to be what Hillary Swank's name was in Karate Kid 3. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Take hold of and pull me quickly, you yellow mouse-like electrical creature. Yellow mouse-like electrical creature. It's a Pokemon. Oh, Pikachu. Uh, poke me, Pikachu. Pluck me. Pluck, pluck me. Pluck me, Pikachu. Pluck me, Pikachu. Pluck me, Pikachu. Okay, this is the final one in this very abstract game here. Scratch and tear me apart, you national fascist party founder. Rip me, Rand. <laughs> Munch me, Mussolini. Maul me, Mussolini. Maul me, Mussolini. Maul me, Mussolini. Wow, Mussolini. That was good, but dude. that was very, very good. That was an abstract one, but on the final one, I'm going to give you that one. It's yeah, Thank you. you. You I bet, thought it you, was break me Biden. Not that now is not the time. Now is not the time for this. Let's go. Oh, no, don't, no. I no. say let's go Benito. <laughs> let's go Benito. <laughs> let's go to Benito. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was fun. That Ooh. was a brain twister, Ooh, brain buster. My, Sorry, I'm up. That made my brain work. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe we'll ratchet it up as the games go on. Maybe we'll ratchet it down. I don't know yet. We'll see as the games go Ooh, I'm on. Terrified. Oh, geez, okay. Louise. Tell them where they can find us, Mister Hebel. I'm gonna be at Ha Ha's. No, on... no, no, us, us, the show. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, this was the thing .com, or you can go on Instagram. This was a thing pod at this was a thing pod. I, you have to do that, I guess, before you put it in. Uh, and then also uh, patreon.com slash this was a thing. Go ahead and check us out. $5 a month, old Lucy level gets you exclusive content, and it's good. And also, happy holidays. Happy holidays. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. Jim Neighbors. <laughs> Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really like what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 